This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am bright and early, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in the world of Arsenal. Uh, We have just two days left until deadline day arrives this Thursday. Exciting times. We can conclude our business, fingers crossed, of course, that we'll actually get some business done between now and the end of the window. Don't worry, though, if you have been wondering about whether or not the show continues on after the deadline closes, the answer to your question is yes. It simply just becomes the Arsenal News Show as opposed to the Arsenal Transfer Show. So uh, do continue to make this part of your morning routine. The show won't be going anywhere. Uh, I will be endeavouring to try and pre-record some content whilst away on my honeymoon in a few weeks' time. Uh, so you won't be without the show for a prolonged period. There might be uh, a few days off, of course, throughout that period because I can't record a ridiculous amount of content. But uh, hopefully there will still be content for you throughout that period pre-recorded with some fantastic guests that I should be lining up very soon. More about that nearer to the time. Thank you, everybody, joining us in the chat box, as always. Good morning uh, to Matt G and PJ and Kaiser and Paul and Blackshine and Morgie. Uh, thank you so much um, for the continued support on the channels, guys, and all the kind comments as well. Uh, thank you so much. Um, the mini moon was good. It's a few days away on the south coast. Very nice indeed. Weather held out. Had some nice memories made. And uh, yeah, thank you for, honestly, the amount of messages that have come through have been insane. So thank you so much for everybody that sent through those kind words. Uh, none of them have been missed. I've tried to like or heart or respond to as many as feasibly possible. It's probably impossible, uh, to be honest, to to catch everyone without missing at least someone. But thank you, everybody. Uh, It really means uh, the world. So, uh, yeah. And the kind donations, of course, we've been sent as well. They've been uh, put to good use, I can tell you. So uh, not only is there great stuff coming on the channel soon, but uh, married life is is getting off to a very, very strong start. Let's crack on with the the morning admin. Um, More competitions will be coming on Football Prizes very soon. You managed to sell out the signed Dennis Bergkamp shirt, but there are more 
more interesting prizes available on the website. Nothing Arsenal specific at the moment, but one of my picks personally is a signed Carlos Puyol. Um, I think it's from the the season or the year in which they won the World Cup. So uh, yeah, 2010 World Cup winners rare Carlos Puyol signed and framed Spain shirt with some instant prizes. Go and check that one out as long uh, as well as plenty of others. The link as always in the video description. Um, I'll be live this Friday. Come see us. Come join us on Friday uh, this evening uh, or rather that evening rather than this evening, but Friday evening. 2nd of September 2022, Ridley Road Social Club, myself, James Benj, FK from Latte Firm, Harry from the Chronicles of Aguna and Sophie from the Hybrid Squad will be joining Mike for a live show. Link to that uh, will be in the link tree in the description. You can go over to the Gunas v Cancer website and you can buy tickets. They're only a fiver. Um, message Mike or myself if you're struggling to find how to get tickets and we will do our best to help you out. So come along, have a drink and enjoy some chat about Arsenal. I can tell you that I think around nearly half the tickets have gone. So it's certainly worth you getting hold of a ticket now and getting involved in what will hopefully be a really good evening. Um, do vote for us in the FCAs. Uh, I'll be doing, uh, hopefully, uh, I mean, these end very soon. I think it's the September 2nd, the nomination or the closure for nomination votes closes. So you haven't got long. Go to www.votefortgt.com to vote for us or tag us on Instagram at Laguna Talk over on their Instagram page. Uh, look for the picture you can see on the right-hand side of your screen on the Football Content Awards site or go to their website and you can vote there. Uh, do go check out our preview show for the Aston Villa game that came out yesterday. I was joined by Max from Villa on Tour in a show that was sponsored by BT. Uh, very interesting uh, kind of views around the game and, and what we might expect. So if you want to hear my thoughts and theories and injury news and predictions and lineups and all that goodness, as well as kind of some views from the other side, go and check out our preview show on the channel, which is the last upload. Getting to today's stories, it was a great weekend for Arsenal. Um, Arsenal beating, of course, Fulham uh, 2-1 after a tricky game in which we were certainly the most... I said before the game it would be the most challenging fixture of the season so far, and that certainly came to pass um, I created a video uh, off the back of, or rather during the mini moon. So if you want to go and get my more in-depth thoughts on the game and the raw reactions to that, go and check out the raw reaction show that we did on the game. Uh, two sides remain in the race for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, according to Mark Mann-Byrans. Um, both of those are Southampton and Bournemouth. They look the two most likely candidates to try and sign Maitland-Niles on loan with an option to buy before the close of the transfer window. We always kind of thought that he would be one of the last players to leave the club. Hector Bellerin, we, we know very little about this stage, but no information on him has yet cropped up. No kind of story to talk about. So at the moment in time, Ainsley Maitland-Niles remains the one that looks the most likely to be the next two leave. Uh, moving forwards, Nicolas Pepe made his loan, a loan move debut for Nice at the weekend in a defeat to Sarah Kalasnach, Matteo Ganduzi's and Nuno Tavares's uh, Marseille, as you can see on the screen. Uh, very, very weirdly poor performance, especially in the first half from Pepe. I think he made up for a lot of it in the second half from the ratings that I've seen, but especially in the first half was not that great. Um, worth watching the highlights. Marseille won comfortably and Nuno Tavares actually scored during that game. Once again, that's three goals in four for the Portuguese left-back. Details of the loan deal have come out, making it very interesting indeed. His £140,000 per week wages is taking a 25% pay cut. Arsenal were then paying 25% of what was uh, of cut the other 20. So 25% has been cut, 25% is being paid by Arsenal and 50% is being paid by Nice, which is quite a lot. They're paying as much as £70,000 per week. 
to get hold of Pepe and Arsenal paying just £35,000 of his loan wages. So very good indeed. He was willing to take that cut in order to get more minutes on the pitch for Nice this season. So there's some details about how that loan deal breaks down according to The Athletic. Um, again, according to The Athletic, the Pedro Neto deal grows increasingly unlikely. Arsenal would have to kind of throw up a ridiculous amount of money to get hold of the Portuguese international. Uh, Wolves are going to be wanting upwards of £50 million to get hold of the player. This would be a very surprising, shocking deal if it gets done, I feel, at this point. Very unlikely that we'll see Pedro Neto arrive, according to the latest information coming out from the likes of David Ornstein. So I wouldn't be getting your hopes up about the idea of Pedro Neto coming to Arsenal based upon that information. I can't say I've heard anything to suggest this isn't the case. Um, despite the fact that Pedro Neto will be very open to a move to Arsenal, the fact that George Mendes is very open to try and make a deal happen, uh, Arsenal have shown that they aren't willing really to overpay the value of what they consider a player to be worth. And if Wolves are asking for a ridiculous fee, which they are very much inclined to do with the fact his contract doesn't run out until 2027, it means that this deal seems unlikely. One of the potential alternatives, according to a number of outlets, is Wilfred Zaha. These links have again cropped up. The uh, Crystal Palace winger uh, is currently on about £130,000 per week at Crystal Palace. And the 29-year-old who turns 30 in November would represent a short-term investment for Arsenal, you would imagine. Uh, turning 30, of course, how many more seasons can you get at the top level out of Wilfred Zaha? is unsure at £25 million, which has been a suggested figure. Is he worth that amount of money? Potentially for a couple of seasons. However, there is a very solid argument, and I remember Harry Simeon making this argument, that he does kind of star in that Palace team. Would he still star at Arsenal in the same kind of way? Will he shine? Will he be able to do what he does at Palace for Arsenal? That's the question that many people, I feel, have to answer. It's a difficult one to Arsenal. It would be a risk, but he would be adding plenty of quality to the Arsenal front line and versatility. He can play left wing, right wing. He's played in the middle. You know, he adds that wide forward element that I've been asking for, someone who can play in all three positions. So that's a very interesting one to try and consider potentially happening between now and the end of the deadline. And the final winger that we need to talk about is Mudrik, uh, the Ukrainian international and Shakhtar Donetsk wide player continues to be linked with Arsenal. Now Fabrizio Romano even talking about the idea that Arsenal are interested in the player. He's been offered, not offered, but he's certainly been courted by a number of English and Bundesliga clubs. Uh, and Mudrik is expected to potentially move away from the team, although Shakhtar Donetsk now, with the amount of interest that is in him, are raising the fee somewhat. There was talk of him going for less than €20 million. Euros. Now that figure could increase quite significantly over that kind of figure. We'd have to wait and see, but Arsenal certainly mentioned very heavily in the running for Mudrik, and he is being considered, and therefore I will endeavour to bring you that tactical breakdown to give you a reason as to why this didn't happen. We had scheduled to do the tactical breakdown on Thursday evening of Mudrik. Uh, my granddad, unfortunately, got rushed into hospital. I can tell you about that now because he is, thankfully, stable and okay, um, but I couldn't do the show because the day before I got married, uh, obviously a very close family member being uh, rushed into hospital, so I couldn't do the show, unfortunately. But I can now very happily tell you that things are better and uh, I'll happily be doing the show um, this evening at 6pm. So do join me 
uh, with expert insight from Andrew Todos from Zoya Londonsk, Ukrainian football expert, and we'll be comparing him, as I said before, to the likes of um, Pedro Neto and Jeremy Pino and Saka and getting some thoughts. I am tempted to change one of those three, potentially Pino to Zaha, just to kind of get that different feel of stats. So if you feel that might be more appropriate considering the links to Zaha, we should probably throw Zaha in there. So over Pino, I'll probably throw Zaha in there for a better comparison. Um, and the last story of the day is, of course, the Celebration Police, of which my new favourite Twitter account, the Celebration Police Twitter account, uh, the, I suppose it's the official now, at uh, PLZ Police, um, the Premier League Celebration Police account, throwing out continuous updates on who is most annoyed about Arsenal celebrations. In short, this is ridiculous, as you all know how Arsenal are targeted by not just players, but pundits and fans of other teams to be supposedly celebrating all too much. As I've said a number of times on the channel, I don't want to be liked as a football club. I don't want Arsenal to be anyone's second team. I want to be hated. I want us to be frustrating people. Nothing good comes for a team that is enjoyed or liked by rival fans. I don't want that. I want you to be irritated. I want you to be frustrated. I want you to be ruling us out. I want you to be belittling us because it means that we're doing a good job. It means that we're annoying you. And that's all I care about Arsenal doing is winning and frustrating our rivals and the people that ultimately don't really like us. For those that might be surprised why so many people like us or rather don't like us, go back and look at the Arsenal history. Arsenal are not a very well-liked club historically, and that's just the way it's been. And that has bled into the kind of modern media in a way. And this is coming from someone within it. It's just the way that it is. And a lot of people have very strong opinions, pundits especially, on the club and don't particularly want to see it succeed. So that's just something we have to deal with. And I'm completely fine with that. If you want to moan about celebrating, that's fine. Embarrass yourselves. I don't care. I'm going to celebrate all as much as I like, all as much as I want. I'll tell you, when we scored that second goal against Fulham in my little apartment that we were sharing on our on the South Coast, I went mad. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely brilliant to get that goal, get that win, keep our perfect record intact. And the fact that people are annoyed by it shows how much we must be doing things right. So fantastic stuff there. We're going to jump into the chat box now and tackle your questions in part two. So if you would like to throw them in, we will tackle those after this quick break. Okay, so as I mentioned, more prizes to come on Football Prizes. Make sure you check out the link in the description. I'll be live at the Ridley Road Social Club this Friday in North London, helping support the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, courtesy of Gunas v. Cancer. Joined by James Benj and FK from Latte Firm and Harry Simeon from the Chronicles of Aguna and Sophie. Make sure you go to gunasvcancer.com to get your tickets. Go over to Mike's channel to get more information. If you can't find any information about tickets and you want to come, just message me and we will get you there. Don't you worry. And lastly, make sure you vote for us in the FCAs. Uh, all the information is on the screen there if you would like to do so. Let's jump into the chat, therefore, and tackle some of these questions. Matt G says, was Sambi originally brought in to be a backup to Partey? And the honest answer is yes, he was. He can play at the base of a midfield and has played there for Andalect, but he can also play slightly further forward and is being gradually developed, it seems, into a player that will play more in Granite Xhaka's position than Thomas Partey's position. What does that mean for the transfer window? What does that mean for us potentially signing someone who could compete with Thomas Partey? We will have to wait and see. 
it is, and I was listening to the Ask, uh, Ask Cast Extra yesterday and this morning with James and Andrew, and James brought up the point that if you bring in a Partey competitor, who are you going to bring in that is going to be content sitting on the bench all the time while Partey is fit? It's very difficult to find a player that's going to be good enough to compete with Thomas Partey and cover for Thomas Partey and still keep them happy. It is very difficult to do that. And he raised a very good point. That's why I think we need to sign someone at the number eight position who potentially has more scope to cover Partey if they need to. But we do have Elneny. We do have uh, Lekongo who can play there. We do have Xhaka who could potentially play there. Or not. I'm not a big fan of that. And I know a lot of you have suggested even putting Ben White into Partey's position and bringing Tommy Asu back into the team. Is that a viable option? I need to do more research into actually watching Ben White play at CDM. I know he did it a little bit for Leeds. So I'm going to spend some of today doing some research into how he got on when he played at CDM. Uh, Paul James, does Partey's injury highlight how important he is for the club to get decent cover for him? El Nenny is solid, reliable, but not uh, but unadventurous. And it's a good word to describe Mohamed El Nenny. He isn't particularly adventurous. He doesn't you know, progress the ball in the same way that Partey does. However, you are right in saying he's solid and reliable. He will give you a 7 out of 10 most games. I thought he did well against Fulham. I don't feel as though we miss Partey gravely. I know that we miss some of his attributes, but we still dominated the game. We still dominated the amount of chances. We still created plenty of opportunities to try and score. Even though we had one shot on target in the first half, it's very clear to anyone who watched the game that we were dominating, we were creating plenty of opportunities that we probably should have done better from, even in Partey's absence. I think losing Partey and Zinchenko simultaneously does pull away a lot, but I still think Tini did okay. I think El Nenny did okay, but against potentially bigger teams, more threatening teams, we would need those two to come in and rebalance things for us in the midfield. But as I've just mentioned in answer to Matt's question a second ago, it's very difficult to find a player that is going to be a competitor for Thomas Partey and yet be happy to sit on the bench for the majority of the time that Partey isn't available for. Uh, Guna72 says, do you think Fabio Vieira is good enough to rotate with Saka? Not yet. I mean, if you're saying good enough to be as good as Saka, not yet, no. Is that because I don't know enough about him? Potentially, is that because I've not seen enough of him? Sure. I mean, I've done plenty of research and watching him for Porto now. But I need to see him play for Arsenal, and we've not got the opportunity to do that. Can he play on the right? Well, according to what I've seen for him at Porto, yes, he can. He can play on the right, can play on the left, can play as a false nine, can play as a second striker, can play as a 10, can play as an eight, even drops into number six role, you know, well, at least on the pitch, not positionally, but certainly the way in which he roams on the field is dropped into that area. He's very versatile. If he's good enough to be worth that £34 million price tag, then you would hope that he's going to be good enough to cover and competes with Saka. Let's wait and see. Uh, Oslan says, Hi, Tom, congrats on the wedding. Who would you prefer to have in a world uh, in a world where you can have only one, Martinelli or Saliba? I think Martinelli is more replaceable than Saliba, so I would lean towards, uh, I would rather keep Saliba than Martinelli. Uh, we've got a super chat that's come in from Tabo, who says, I think you should get married regularly. This way, you'll get super chats on a regular basis. I'm sure the missus won't, uh, won't mind. Congratulations, Tom. Hope the life only gets better from here. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I, I was very tempted to include something in my speech about um, how if Arsenal are going to be top of the league every time I get married, I'll have to do it every year. But I did refrain. But thank you, Tarbo. I appreciate that, mate. Uh, Gogo says, uh, what do you think about the signing of Mudrik and Moises Caicedo in the final days of the window? It'd be a very strong end to the window. I think it's going to cost you a lot to bring in Moises Caicedo. 
and I don't think it's very re uh, realistic to bring in Moises Caicedo. But Mudrik is certainly a realistic option for Arsenal. It's not the most expensive. In fact, I have left a poll in the chat box for you guys to vote on if you haven't done so already. Uh, you've got three options. You can either sign Neto for 50 plus million, Zaha for 25 plus million, or Mudrik for 20 plus million. And so far, it's very, very split indeed. Uh, only 35% of you have said Neto. 35% of you have said Zaha. 30% of you have said Mudrik. Very split. Almost exactly split across the three. Great to see some variation in the opinions coming through as well. Uh, Hassa Dagain says, uh, Tom, I think Arsenal will go big on one transfer rather than signing two. For me, you know, and people have asked me, would I rather sign Tielemans and Mudrik or Neto? And I said I'd rather sign Neto. The reason for that being is that I think Neto's a better player than Mudrik and obviously got that Premier League experience and he's already acclimatised and he's a, he's a better player. And I'd rather Arsenal prioritise signing better players than just cover and competition. For me, backups need to be a thing of the past. Not that Tielemans or Mudrik are backups, but if you've got the potential to sign a player as good as Neto, I would lean more towards doing that. People, I think, are forgetting the existence of the January transfer window, which, by the way, will start contextually earlier. I know time-wise it doesn't start earlier, but consider the fact that, of course, the transfer window will open at the start of January. We would have had a lot of November and December off of playing football. I know the World Cup will be there, but it, means, it basically means that the January window will feel like starting in December because football finishes on something like the 10th or 11th of November this year before a breakthrough till Boxing Day. So it will feel like the January window is earlier in the season. Uh, I know that there's a lot more midweek games to kind of make up the difference, but there's a lot of games, of course, playing after the World Cup finishes. So it will still feel a little bit like there is um, an earlier January window. So don't forget that. And remember that business could still be done during that January winter transfer period. Uh, Charlie says, are you concerned our stance on paying for a certain fee for a player will hamper any more incomings? It depends how much. It depends on who. It depends on the position. But if we go out and spend 50 plus million pounds on one player, I'd be surprised to see us go out and spend anything close to that on another. So I feel as though there's kind of like a bit of a budget that remains in this window, depending on, of course, if there's any late sales, which would be surprising at this stage. I doubt there would be anyone sold for a significant fee that would change the way in which we were approaching the window. Who knows, though? Potentially, we see something different. Uh, Guna Jake says, Tom, what's your opinion on Arteta's trust in the bench players, Vieira and Smith, when the game is still in the balance? It appears that he, at times, only trusts those on the field. Um, yeah, I understand what you're asking. I think, obviously, Vieira, we're yet to see what he's bringing to the team. Smith Rowe has been a little bit underwhelming when he's been given opportunities lately, even in preseason. He had he didn't have the best preseason, did Smith Rowe? And I do feel as though that the players that start the games at the moment, Martinelli Saka, Jesus remain the most threatening. And if you need a goal, taking any one of those three off isn't the best move. Look, let's face it. Tactically, Arteta got it absolutely spot on when he made his substitutions, bringing off Tierney for Nketia. He made us a lot more threatening in the attack. He gave us a lot more opportunities and we started to be more dangerous. And eventually we scored and turned the game around. And then he changed things again and brought Tommy Asu on for Jesus, I think it was. You know, it worked. We did what we needed to do and we got the points. And so whilst he may not have as much faith in players like Smith or Vieira to come on and win us a game as he much he does in, say, Nketiah right now, that's fine as long as we're winning games. If we start dropping points, that's when we can start to try and, you know, question a little bit more 
the decision making on the field. Uh, Owain says, uh, "Hi Tom, I hope the wedding went well, mate. Thanks, mate. It did it was very good indeed." Uh, quick question: Do you think we would benefit from upgrading on El Nenny instead of investing in someone like Tillemans? Admittedly, rumours are dying down. Obviously, factually, yes, of course we would. If you can get a better player than El Nenny to be the competitor for Partey on paper, that's great. You should do it. However, it's it's difficult, as I've mentioned, to find someone that's as good or near as good as Partey that's willing to sit on the bench like El Nenny is. We extended El Nenny for another year because I think that they re- they recognised the performances that El Nenny was giving us are, for a backup, good enough at this stage. Would I rather a competitor to Partey than, than a Tielemann-style player? Yes, potentially. But it's just about how do you find that player? How do you find someone that's going to be willing to be a competitor to Thomas Partey. It's very, very difficult indeed. Um, Jay says, are you worried that we might run Saka into the ground? I think he needs a rest even this early in the season. This is something that's actually started to bug me. Um, and I tweeted about this yesterday. The idea that Saka playing four games in four weeks is running him into the ground, I just can't get on board with. I recognise he's played a lot of games last season. What was it, 50 of 50 games he was involved in? I get that. But comparisons to Bellerin, you know, who had two serious knee injuries, it's nothing to do with, it's, it's not to do with the amount of games he's playing or how early he was introduced into a starting eleven. It is very common, especially now in the world of football in 2022 and to even going back a fair few years for teenagers and tw- early 20s players to be integrated into the first 11 of teams and play regularly. You look at Pedri, you look at Vinicius Jr., you look at Rodrigo, um, you look at Manchester City with Foden. You know, even though Foden was gradually integrated in, he's now, you know, a very, very regular player in that team. You look at Erling Haaland when he was at Borussia Dortmund and Salzburg. You know, the top, top young players in the world play every week. You know, Saliba. Oh, Saliba's played four games in... He played. Saliba played the most games of any Marseille player last season. Are we talking about him being run into the ground? No, we're not. And he's going to start every game because of every big game that we have because of his performances in his form. For me, I think there's an obsession with the idea that Saka's being, quote, run into the ground and his form, which is actually unfair because for me, it's more so because of tactically... Clubs still identify Saka as Arsenal's biggest threat. They put more players on Saka, which means his influence on the game gets restricted. And it also means it highlights, therefore, the extra opportunities that players like Jesus and Martinelli on the other side are getting. I f- Just personally for me, I'm not concerned at this stage. Does that mean that I don't think we should sign someone so that we can rotate or sub out Saka earlier in games? Does it mean I don't want to see that? No, absolutely not. I obviously would love to see us go out and sign a genuine competitor, a genuine player that would come in and compete with Saka and enable us to, you know, sub him out or rest him for a game than we wouldn't usually. But I am not going to sit here and pretend that I feel as though Arteta is making a mistake by playing Saka in all of the games so far this season or for as long as he's played him so far this season because I don't think that he is. I don't think he is overplaying him. I think there are plenty of players Saka's age that go through dips in form. I think if you go back to last season, the North London derby, the one we won at home 3-1, you know, in that, was it 3-1? I feel like it was 3-1 because Ramsdale tips one over the bar to make it, which would have been 3-2 from Lucas Moura. So yeah, that game when we won 3-1 and Saka, Smith-Rowe and Aubameyang scored. I think Saka hadn't scored in something like 17 games prior to that fixture. And when he got that goal in that game against Spurs, he went on to have his best goal-scoring season at Arsenal. 
And yet he'd not scored in something like 17 matches before that game. He needs a goal. You know, he's, he's a young player and a lot of young players thrive on confidence. Get a goal and I'm sure he will return to the Saka that we've come to know and love. That said, you know, he was very unlucky not to score against Fulham. Leno knows the guy inside and out and knew what he was going to do. But great kind of Cruyff chop, Ronaldo chop, I suppose, inside Adarabio and could have scored. Leno did well to save it. But I am not worried about Saka. I'm not concerned about him being, quote, run into the ground. And I think it's an overreaction and just a kind of an excuse for a, a, a talking point, if you will. Saka's fine. But yes, I would love to obviously see us sign someone in that area to give us more, give us more firepower, as Arteta's talking about. It's not about that for me. Uh, Morgan says, Tommy, are you concerned about Tierney? Uh, not much game time. Looked off it against Fulham. Did... <sighs> I sometimes I do, and, and with respect, Morgie, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm watching a different game to people. I thought Tierney was fine. I thought defensively he was fine. Um, he was the obvious choice to take off because from a balanced perspective, you'd keep White, Gabriel and Saliba on, you know, uh, if you're going to remove one of the defenders. He's not Zinchenko. And I think contextually, when we look at a left back like Zinchenko and then you bring in Tierney for him, you're not going to get the same performance. So if we think that he looks off it in comparison to, say, what Zinchenko's brought us, then we're always going to think he looks off it because Tierney's never going to do the job of Zinchenko. They're just different players. But what Tierney is going to do, he's going to overlap Martinelli, he's going to support Martinelli, he's going to put balls into the box, he's going to run to the byline, he's going to get back, he's going to be better defensively than Zinchenko. And he was all those things. He wasn't outstanding, as Steve says. He had a solid 7 out of 10 performance, you know, and to be honest, for his first start of the season, that was fine. That was absolutely fine. We didn't concede because of Tierney. We didn't nearly lose the game because of Kieran Tierney. You know, I think there's a big obsession around, obviously, we get a good player in like Zinchenko. Oh, what's going to happen to Tierney? If Tierney leaves in a year's time, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You get a good fee for Tierney. It's part of what being a big club is. You look at City, you look at Liverpool, they've sold big players. Suarez, Coutinho, Jesus, Zinchenko. You know, they've moved on big players. Big clubs do that, you know. And I'm sure when those players moved on, at times they were like, oh, well, why are they moving on? What are we going to do? Well, what did Liverpool go and do? They brought in Firmino, they got in Salah, they got in Mane, you know. They didn't miss Suarez. The same way that I don't think we will miss Tierney if he was to be sold in the future because we are, from the way in which we recruit now, much better at preparing ourselves for worst-case scenarios. If one day Saka moves on, if the worst thing in the world happens and Saliba moves on, you know, we, I have confidence, would replace those players. It would be difficult. It would be really hard to do that. But the way in which we've recruited, the way in which it's improved at the club, with the players that we buy, I have confidence that we would do that. And I don't think I should be concerned. I don't think I should be fretting over Tini not getting enough minutes or other players not getting enough minutes that they might move on. You know, I think I've, as I've grown up, I've learned to disassociate myself with an attachment to players. You know, I, we've gone through the Zoboslai period. We've gone through the Asensio period. You know, Asensio is another player that we're being linked to. I didn't really talk about him that much today in the, in the slides, but Asensio is someone that we are being talked about as being linked to. And those that aren't even that long-term listeners of TGT know that I'm a very big fan of the guy. I like Asensio. I watched him when he was at Espanyol on loan. I've got a shirt of his for when he was on loan at Espanyol. I like the, the kid a lot. He's creative. He's a great goal scorer. You know, he scored some brilliant goals. And if it wasn't for that knee injury, ironically, against Arsenal in preseason in America, 
he could have gone on to be, in my view, one of the best wide playmakers and potential number 10s on the planet. However, his response to that injury hasn't gone as well as, say, I don't know, Neto's immediate response to his big injury. Um, and because of that, I just think that we don't we don't need Asensio. If we're looking for a wide player, Asensio is not the profile of wide player that I want to see assign. He's not a winger. He's not a wide forward. He's a wide playmaker who can play as a 10. And we've got that in Fabio Vieira. We've got that in Odegaard. We've got that in Smith Rowe. We don't need Asensio. If it's a choice between Asensio on loan for a season, say, and no one else, sure, bring him in. Add the firepower. Add the extra. But he's not the profile that I would be going for, personally. Uh, Ayush says, Tom, Anthony doing merry-go-rounds or Richarlison doing keepy-uppies, who would you want to be absolutely pummels? Um, another thing, if you were bothered by Richarlison doing that keepy-uppy thing, if you thought it was disrespectful, whatever, uh, look, I don't care. You know, it's, it's the same as a celebration thing for me. Everything has its consequences if you over celebrate as maybe arsenal do sometimes and then we fall out then we're gonna look silly we're gonna look silly like we did at the end of last season it's just part and parcel of the consequences of celebrating the same way of showboating if you showboat in a game you're probably gonna get clattered you know you take the risk am i gonna cry about richarlison doing keepy uppies against forest no did i think that steve cooper's reaction in the post-match press conference was a bit ott probably probably got too offended by some keepy uppies by a player then you've lost the game i mean forest should have in my view done better uh, in that game spurs were not looking good and spurs haven't looked good you know they're probably the most overperforming side in the league in comparison to their performances this season and forest should have got a better result other teams should have got a better result um who was the one they beat one nil the other day ah uh, who was it wolves wolves could have got a better scoreline against spurs and they didn't you know spurs have been very fortunate this season um <laughs> and yet they're being given arguably more credit than Arsenal are. So there you go. Uh, let's go to Varun, who says, Tom, do you think it's a bit premature of us Arsenal fans to sing the Super Mick Arteta song? No, not really. It's a song. Grow up <laughs> with respect. You know, if people are offended by our, our, the Arteta Champions League song, no, it's a song. I've never seen this Arsenal crowd as connected to a manager, to the to players, to the game in the stadium. As much as this, if we're complaining about the atmosphere, if we're complaining about um, how good it feels to be an Arsenal fan right now, if you're not going mad at an 85th minute winner, like if, if really you should be buzzing about this right now. Arsenal are in such a fortuitous, such a, a really kind of exponentially growing in terms of positivity place. That it's, it's exciting to be an Arsenal fan. I love being an Arsenal fan right now. I love writing about Arsenal right now. I love talking about Arsenal right now. I love theorising about Arsenal right now because it's a great place to be. It wasn't not so long ago. It really, really wasn't not so long ago. And I was being critical and I was moaning and I was disappointed. But it's because of the work of the manager and the players and Edu and a lot of people behind the scenes that have seen this club turn around. And I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I'm really getting behind it. And I hope that... We aren't in a situation, Varun, where we're complaining or saying that we're prematurely singing songs. No, sing your songs, enjoy your football, 
and support the Arsenal. And with that, uh, I look forward to seeing you guys a little bit later on today. Of course, I'll be live at 10 a.m. over on the Arsenal way, as always. Uh, good to be back after a weekend off. I'll then be live at 6 p.m. this evening on this channel doing a tactical breakdown of Mudrik. Uh, do vote for us in the FCAs if you haven't done so already. And of course, do join us in our live show on Friday over on uh, over at the Ridley Road Social Club in North London. Uh, come and give us a shout. Come and say hello. £5 a ticket, all donated towards the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. If you are local to London or if you can make the trip on Friday evening this week, then do so. Lots of great great, uh, great guests. Try saying that 10 times when you're drunk. Uh, James, Ben, Jeff K, Harry, Simeu, and Sophie Nicolau will join myself and Mike uh, for this brilliant evening occasion. Thank you so many of you that have already bought tickets. Nearly half of them have already gone. Um, thank you for everybody that is continuing to support the channel. Do drop a like before you go. It's been an absolute pleasure to join you as always, and I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.